Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Jack Anstein. And I'm Casey Murray. On today's episode, we'll look into how one entrepreneur aims to change how people look after their pets through her business, while also juggling being a Division I basketball player and a full-time student. And later, we'll hear the latest installment in our series on Black Farmers by looking at what impact education and representation in the classroom for Black students has on the agriculture industry. Plus, we'll have this week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. Jack, this is so random, but I've been seeing a ton of astrology posts on social media recently. Do you know what that's about? I'm not sure, but my friends are all into astrology and always use my star chart to psychoanalyze me. That's so funny. My friends actually do the same thing. I'm like the only one out of all of us that's not really invested, but it can be fun. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but try to have fun with it. What's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. What about you? I'm an Aquarius. I don't really know what that says about me, but I'll have to do some more research. But for now, let's get to our headlines. St. Louis Clinical Stage Immuno-Oncology Startup, Arch Oncology, has raised $105 million in Series C funding. The round was led by investors Eventide Asset Management, Cohen Healthcare Investments, and 3x5 Partners. It also brought in new backers, one of which was St. Louis-based Rivervest Venture Partners. The financing will help fund clinical trials of the startup's leading drug candidate, which is a drug to treat cancer patients with solid tumors. Including its latest round, Arch Oncology has raised a total of $190 million. Kansas City Metro-based medical device company RTO Medical announced Thursday it received $12 million in Series A financing. The latest funding round brings RTO Medical's capital to a total of $46 million. The startups of the funding will allow it to accelerate the development of its medical devices that treat vascular disease. Lead Sigma, a Kansas City-based startup that makes software to assist in the sales process, raised $725,000 in a family and friends funding round. The company said it aims to provide small businesses with sales tools similar to those used by enterprise companies. Lead Sigma, which launched in February, plans to use the funding to build its team, which currently consists of eight employees. The Missouri Technology Corporation, or MTC, is launching a new statewide entrepreneurship and innovation initiative that will provide data analysis on Missouri entrepreneurship. MTC is a public-private partnership that works to promote entrepreneurs in the state. The initiative will result in a report comparing the business ecosystem in Missouri to other states, and it will also provide data comparing MTC to other organizations. MTC said it will use the findings to help it pursue future growth and innovation in the state. Jack, do you have a pet? Not while I'm in school. I'm good friends with my roommate's cat, though. I've grown up around dogs, but I also decided not to have a pet while I was at school. Yeah, it can take a lot of work to balance school while taking care of an animal. Exactly. But today I spoke with Junae Johnson. She's a student at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She plays Division I basketball, and she runs a startup. Wow, what startup did she found? She's the founder of Interplay, a company working to make it easier for pet owners to look after their pets. She's designing a crate that owners can control from their phones. 
That would definitely make pet ownership more accessible to busy people. Yeah, and pet ownership is already expanding. Expenditures on the pet industry topped $100 billion in 2020 and has been steadily growing in the past few years, according to the American Pet Products Association. That must be good for people looking to get into pet product development. So this week, I caught up with Johnson about her company, where it's going, and how she manages to be an entrepreneur, a student, and a basketball player all at the same time. So hi, welcome to the podcast. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Jonay Johnson, and I am currently a student and athlete at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I'm also the founder and CEO of a company called Interplay. I wanted to start by just generally asking, what does Interplay do? Interplay is working towards creating digital grading experiences for dog owners by providing them with a remote-controlled dog crating attachment. So with the Interplay Plate Satch, that's the name of our product, they'll be able to dispense food and water to their dog, see and talk to their dog, and open and close the crate all from their phone while they're away from home. That's pretty cool. How did you get the idea? I had an aunt who would always leave family events early to rush home and care for her dog. So one day while I was working on a project um, in high school in one of my capstone classes, our assignment was to come up with a business plan with a a company of our choice that could have been real or idealistic. And I just finally thought, what if she could care for her dog from her phone while while she's away from home? And that's how I came up with the idea Interplay, and that's when my company was born. So you got the idea for this product in high school, you studied entrepreneurship for your undergrad, and now you're getting a business degree. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely, I did. And it was very exciting for me because what you see a lot in college is you see so many people change their majors or they're, once they think they want to do something, they find out and get involved in the classes and realize that's not what they want to do. But growing up, while many people, you know, were saying, oh, I want to be a police officer or a lawyer or a doctor, I was always saying, you know, I wanted to own my own business. And I'll always get the question, what business do you want to own? And all that at the time, I did not know, but I'm like, you know, it's going to be my own business. Whatever it is, I know I'm going to own my own business. So from the jump, coming out in grammar school, I started like a, a bracelet company. I was making bracelets for family and friends. And then in middle school, I I had a very lucrative fruit snack and snack business. So I was selling because we didn't have any vending machines or anything. So I saw opportunity, I identified a problem and I I was selling snacks. And then of course I came up with the idea for Interplay High School. So entrepreneurship has been a passion of mine since a very young age. Do you know what it was that made you want to be an entrepreneur? Yes, I grew up in a single parent household and my mom is the epitome of a businesswoman. So growing up and just seeing her do her thing and make things work, she was a Mary Kay sales representative. So, and she also got the pink Cadillac in a very, very short amount of time. So I've seen her dominate the business world and thinking outside the box and being very innovative and creative in everything she does. And of course, that's been a role model and major inspiration to me. Through the years, what made you stick with the idea of Interplay? The continuous validation that I'm solving a problem people have and have experienced. And even after I came up with the idea, I went ahead and I got a pet in college. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea with me being a student athlete and a business owner trying to start start up a company. But I went ahead and I got a pet. 
And of course, I was always away from home with something that needs to be done. And that further validated the concept for me. And I'm like, you know what? I really need to be able to care for this pet while I'm away. It'd be so much easier if I could just click a button and do it from my phone. And then through constant market research, customer interviews, it was a problem that people genuinely had. And it was a concept that they were excited about the possibility of being created. It's something that has really kept me going and fueled throughout the entire process. Can you buy anything from Interplay yet? We're currently pre-launched. We did get the digital sandbox grant. So we're currently in product development phase. We'll definitely be beta testing soon. And it's our goal to have a Kickstarter and hopefully get that launched before the end of the year. So you'll be a student, an athlete, and the CEO of a company with a working product by the end of the year. Yes. How do you make time for all that? I'm a firm believer of you make time for what's important to you. And, you know, there are many times where I don't get sleep or don't get enough sleep, but I just make time for everything. And I just really, I'm able to manage and incorporate and fit things in because all of those components are very important to me. Do you have any advice for how to manage so many responsibilities? I would say it takes a lot of drive, dedication, and organization. Definitely organize. You have to be organized in most things, I feel, if you want to have success, because you have to have some type of plan, objective, or idea of where you want to be and where you want to go. But especially when you're balancing so many different hats, you have to stay on top of the game. Otherwise, things can get easily confused, jumbled up, or it'll be way harder to do it. Let's now turn our attention to a series we've been exploring this spring, Black entrepreneurs in the agriculture industry. In 2020, Black people made up 4.3% of all farming, fishing, and forestry occupations, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 4% doesn't seem like a lot. Right, it's not. Black Americans make up more than 13% of the country's overall population, so they're underrepresented in the agriculture industry. Experts say, One reason for this is the number of Black students pursuing an education in the field. That makes sense. If fewer Black students are pursuing an education in agriculture, then the group won't be as represented in the field. Do you know why we're seeing so few Black people pursuing an education in agriculture? One factor is, seeing representation in career fields can impact what field people choose to enter, but there are efforts being made to increase representation. Missouri Business Alert reporters Alex Fulton, Ozzy Gonzalez, Anna Coots, and Madeline Ewing spoke with Black students entering the industry and people involved in university agriculture programs to learn more. In 2020, Black people made up just 4.3% of all farming, fishing, and forestry occupations, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That marked a significant increase from 20 years earlier. In 2000, Black Americans accounted for just 0.4% of the industry. Still, Black people are underrepresented in farming relative to their overall share of the U.S. population. For that to change, experts say more Black students need to pursue an education in the field. For Chanel Quinn, that choice was an easy one to make. I am passionate about what I want to do in my future. Last May, Quinn graduated from Lincoln University in Jefferson City, one of the state's two historically Black colleges and universities, or HBCUs. 85% of the student body at Lincoln is Black. Quinn majored in agriculture, a rarity in her family. My family actually are 
mostly nurses and in the medical field and I was one of the first people to come along and be like animals dogs farming and they're like no so when I made the decision to go into the major of agriculture it was really a huge like surprise a risk really but she knew agriculture was her end goal while taking an animal science class her freshman year of high school, she saw a few other black students in class and realized that this could be a path for her future. For once, I looked around and I was just like, okay, maybe I can do this. During her time at Lincoln, she worked with fish, taking their water temperatures and alkaline levels. Research was another big part of her time at Lincoln. Under faculty guidance, Quinn researched Missouri blueberries and crayfish and presented her findings. And I was able to do everything that I wanted to do. I actually was able to travel and see the world and present my experiments and my projects. And it was just, it was wonderful that that door was open for me. As a member of the next generation of Missouri's black agriculture workers, Quinn worked hard during college to prepare for her future by using Lincoln's facilities where chickens are raised and frogs are abundant. Lincoln has a student population of less than 3,000, but has 18 agriculture labs and farms available for hands-on experience. Even so, prospective students aren't always confident they will have a place in agriculture. According to Ruth Canada, Director of Auxiliary and Engagement for Lincoln's College of Agriculture, prospective black ag students can be deterred because of the industry's troubled past. In underserved and underrepresented communities, there's often a negative connotation to agriculture especially with the history in America of what black people experienced in agriculture. In addition to the injustices of enslavement and sharecropping, black Americans have faced widespread systemic loss of farmland, losing more than 12 million acres throughout the 20th century. Despite that, in order to recruit and retain black students for Lincoln University's ag program, Canada reaches out to parents and students to encourage interest in the field. So it's first putting some information out to the parents letting them know how agriculture has changed and how their students' skill set might fit into it. So if I can get the parents to see that it's a great opportunity, then they are more likely to tell, the cho you know, tell their kid. One effort to get more black people to study agriculture is through 1890 scholarships made specifically for land-grant institutions like Lincoln. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and the National Crop Insurance Services, or NCIS, offer these scholarships, and the awards range from $5,000 to a full ride. Quinn was one of the three NCIS scholarship recipients in 2017. I just remember pure joy. Like I said, I always felt like I wasn't doing enough, but at that moment I realized, even though they may look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm talking about. Despite the financial support and newfound confidence, she experienced the same issues students who came before her did while searching for internships. One opportunity in a predominantly white area told her that, as a freshman in college, she was overqualified and denied her on the spot with no further explanation. And I was just like, this is the internship, and if no one is willing to give me a chance, then how can I succeed? And one thing about that is I still face challenges like that today. But that experience didn't stop her. I was always raised that we are equal. You should treat everyone the same. And so once that happened for me, it kind of it scarred me a little bit. But it made me stronger. It made me go harder the next year following. 
The future of black agriculture relies on those currently learning the ropes in school and their resilience against the world of agriculture that awaits them after school. Lincoln's programs aim to prepare them as best as they can. To me, it's a matter of equity. Were they given the equitable means and resources to go out into the world and achieve the kind of dream that they want? Seeking representation in career fields plays a large role in what people choose to pursue. A main difference between attending HBCUs in predominantly white institutions, or PWIs, is that black students see more representation in the classroom. I do believe that there is a strong role for HBCUs in society, as long as society is structured as it is structured. So I think students leave HBCUs with confidence because they've gotten to do things that they may not have gotten to do on a PWI campus. With hands-on experience and internship opportunities sewn into the Ag Department's program, Lincoln students move into postgraduate life with career skills and knowledge, as well as a sense of belonging in the ag industry. However, that has not been the case for Quinn. Although she hoped to enter the industry after graduation, she's currently employed as an at-home caregiver working with people with disabilities. That position is keeping her afloat during the pandemic, but once the job market improves, she hopes she can achieve her dream of working for the USDA. My experience with agriculture was wonderful and it's continuing to grow as we speak today. Even though I'm not able to work in it every day, every time I get a chance, I learn something new. With passion honed by her university experience, Quinn hopes to impact the agriculture industry in the future. With producers Alex Fulton, Ozzy Gonzalez, and Anna Coots, Madeline Ewing, Missouri Business Alert. Now let's get to the digits of the week. The numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit this week is five. Okay, why is that? eFactory, an accelerator affiliated with Missouri State University, is about to open applications for its fifth cohort. It's the latest accelerator following a pause last year due to COVID-19. Companies in the cohort will receive $30,000 in investment in exchange for 8% equity, mentorship, and other networking opportunities. The application period runs through the month of May. The program will start on July 19th and run throughout the year. What's your digit? My digit is $1,770 because that's how much getting a business license, liquor license, and food inspection fees in Columbia can cost bars and restaurants each year. Now, business owners in Columbia are asking the city council to waive those fees. The restauranteurs have had a tough year, facing shutdowns and restrictions, and restaurants still remain under some restrictions in Columbia but removing all the fees would also be costly to local government. The city is now considering a grant program that could help restaurants and bars with the fees instead of waiving them outright. You can read more about that story at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. That just about concludes our episode. We just need our closing thought. Here's Jonay Johnson, founder of Interplay, talking about the best business advice she's ever received. Do what you do best and hire the rest. That is the best best business advice I've ever gotten. And as soon as I heard, heard it, I took it and I ran with it. That's all for this week's episode. This has been Speaking Startup for Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Casey Murray and me, Jack Anstein. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.